service today. If you guys want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. Uh, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal Community Church. Man, we're glad that you're here. We've been in this series called Where's My Bailout? Because it seems like that's what everybody wants right now. We're in some tough, tough economical times. And so it seems like everybody is looking for, how do I get out of this situation? How is somebody going to bail me out of the place that I find myself in? And last week we talked about the, the fact that a lot of us are in some difficult, difficult situations. We are facing some difficult times right now in our country, in our economy, in our homes. And, and what does God want to do in that? And we've talked about the fact that God is going to use those things to form character in us. And he's going to use those things to build us up. And he's going to end up doing something amazing out of the, the hurts and the tragedies of our life for something great for him. And he can make those things that are bad in our lives, he can turn them around those tests that we're facing and make them a testimony. And those, those opportunities where we felt like we've been defeated to make us victors. And so God wants to do something incredible in our lives. And, and today, uh, we're just going to dive in a little bit further. And we're going to talk about what does God say about our stuff? You know, where does he fall in all that? And what is his plan for our lives? But before we jump into that, does anybody out there love professional wrestling like me? Anybody else out there a professional wrestling fan? I'm talking like old school. I'm not talking WWE wrestling. I'm talking WWF wrestling, like way back in the day. You know, like Randy Macho Man Savage, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Anybody out there? You know what I'm talking about? George the Animal Steel. You know, it was cool to have lots of chest hair and arm hair. You know, back in the day, you would eat turnbuckles. Anybody, anybody fan of that kind of stuff? Okay, just the old people with me. Okay, cool. The rest of you guys, let me just inform you, that is what wrestling was all about. It's not all this drama and male soap opera that it is today where it's all these guys that are doing all this acting. It was just old school where big, out of shape dudes would, would wrestle with one another and get all sweaty. And it was kind of, it's actually kind of gross when you think about it. But I loved wrestling. And my favorite wrestler as a kid was this guy named Hulk Hogan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get some of it? Come on. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I loved Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was the man, you know, he would do these things and this after the matches and stuff. And I just thought it was the coolest thing as a kid to see Hulk Hogan come in and rip off his shirt. And I would go home and try to rip it off. And I realized that he cut slits in it because that's the only way you could rip that freaking thing off. But I would just love it. And I would stay up late at night and watch wrestling. And I just thought it was awesome. And then there was this other side of wrestling called World Championship Wrestling. There was this other thing. And there was these other guys in there and there was this guy named Ric Flair in that. Anybody remember Ric Flair? Woo! Yeah, the nature boy Ric Flair. I can't stand that dude. He annoyed the crap out of me and I just wanted to kill him and I was like, someday Hulk Hogan's going to fight him and he's going to, Hulk Hogan is going to kill that dude because that's what he needs to happen. He needs, needs to get defeated. But Ric Flair had this signature move that he would put people in to win matches and it was called the figure four. Anybody remember the figure four? It's like this leg lock that like breaks your kneecap. And it was awesome. And so <laughs> anytime you can hurt somebody else, it's just as cool as a guy. And so uh, he would do these moves and it, it was called a submission move because what would happen is you'd be in so much pain that you would tap out. Well, finally, these wrestling organizations merged uh, a couple of years back and finally Hulk Hogan got to fight Ric Flair. And it was like a dream come true to go watch that. And, and so they're fighting. And before long, before the, the match, gets to the end, Ric Flair puts Hulk Hogan in the figure four. 
And when he puts Ric Flair, when Ric Flair puts Hulk Hogan in the figure four, all of a sudden you see Hulk's face. He's in pain. He's suffering. He's thinking, man, I'm going to tap out of this. But there's hope because he was not in the middle of the ring and he was close to the, to the, to the bars of the ring. And in wrestling, if you could get to the ring, the actual ring, the ropes of the ring, and you could grab a hold of it, the, the opponent had to release the hold that was on you. And so Hulk Hogan eventually works his way over to the, to the ropes and grabs a hold of it, and he has to break the lock, and then he does his leg drop on him and wins the match. It was awesome. But, but <laughs> sorry, I just made that really fast. <laughs> but I feel like today, a lot of us feel like financially and economically, we're in a figure four right now. We're in a, somebody's got us in a submission hold and we are sitting there in the middle of the ring wondering how am I going to get myself out of this? Do I just tap out right now and just cut out? Or do I fight and pry my way over the ropes and have this hold break for me? And I believe that today, uh, I mean, a lot of people are in that situation and and some of us have found ourselves in that situation because we've taken our eyes off of God and put it on our stuff. I mean, it's some of us, the reason we find ourselves in that, that whole uh, persona and understanding of what's happening is because we watch too much of the news. And what does the news tell us? Everything is going bad. In fact, today in USA Today, they said, oh, the economy is not bad. It's going to get way, way worse. And so if you read that stuff, what does it do? It makes you freak out. It makes you think, uh, Y2K again. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go buy some more generators. I'm going to go to Home Depot and just board everything up. And I'm just going to hunker down and wait for, wait for Jesus to come back. And then some of you guys, you guys are watching the stock market. And every time the stock market goes up or down, your emotions go up or down because your God is your money. And when that money moves, so does God. And some of you guys, your 401k has turned into a 201k, and you are just messed up right now. And you're wondering, what am I going to do in this situation? How am I going to make it through this? And the reason I'm excited about this series is because I believe that God wants to help us break free from some of the attitudes and some of the ideas that have been put within us to think that this is success and this is what life's supposed to look like. And look at how God wants us to work in his economy and what that's going to look like for us. And I know that over the next couple of weeks, if you will apply the principles that we talk about, out in the, the areas of your finances, the areas of, of your life, and build some discipline in your life, you will see God do some amazing things and have you break free of the, of the hold that finances have on your life. Now, I know some of you guys, you guys are freaking out right now because you're like, man, I can't believe he's talking about money. I'm hoping that on the screen my kid's number gets up so I can get out of here because I don't want to listen to this junk, you know, because my life is jacked up. And, and, and you know, the, the reality is, is the reason so many of us are in these problems is because we did not lack discipline. We didn't lack any discipline. It's, we're like the friend who says every month I'm going to go on a diet. And two weeks later when you go out with them, they're like, do you want to get wings and an ice cream cone? You know, they just cannot stick to that diet. And the reason we find ourselves in this place is because it's not like we don't have the desire to get ourselves out of the predicament that we found ourselves in. The reality is, is that we have not followed through on the disciplines necessary to see ourselves through this. And we've got so addicted to having more and more bling that we don't know what to do once it's eaten us alive. And I believe that if we're going to have a bailout, our bailout will occur when our bondage to our bling is finally broken. Your bailout in life will occur when your bondage to your bling is broken in your life. 
And I believe that today as we look at God's word in Matthew chapter 6, that God is going to have us ask some questions of ourselves, some questions that Jesus would ask of us and say, where are you at in this process? And I believe that as we answer these questions, we'll start to realize maybe some areas in our life that have not been aligned based on what God says and we've been doing based on what we want. And we're wondering why those things are not happening the way that God wants them to happen. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, where the first question that we're going to ask ourselves today is, what does Jesus expect? What does Jesus expect of us? First question we need to understand is, man, what does he expect? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, it says, be careful. He says, be careful. We just need to stop right there because anytime God starts off or Jesus starts off with a, a, a statement of be careful, most of us are like, oh man, he just doesn't want us to have any fun. He's telling us, man, we can't do something. And that's not the case at all. Jesus is saying, be careful, not because he wants to keep us from having fun, but because the fact that he wants to protect us from something. But so many of us think, oh man, he's just trying to keep me from something, so therefore I'm about to go do it, when in fact he's trying to protect you from harming yourself. And so Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now there's this concept of reward, and we're going to get to that. But right here, what's happening is, is Jesus saying there's some acts of righteousness in our acts of righteousness that we can do that we shouldn't be doing to impress others, but only to be impressing God. And what Jesus is saying is there, there are some things in our lives that we can be doing that are going to actually show that we are living for God. And if we are doing these things and they are happening in our lives, it's going to show that we are in right standing. That's what righteousness means. Acts of right standing with God. As we do some things, it's not just all faith. There's some action with it. That as we apply these things, as we work these things in our lives, it's going to show without us ever saying a word, our devotion to God. So my question for us today is, is, are your acts and is your lifestyle matching up? Are the acts of your life and your lifestyle matching up? Because we can't show up for church on Sunday and act like we love Jesus and act like hell Monday through Saturday. It just doesn't work like that. And that isn't what God expects of us. He expects something different. And this is the whole thing. Do you belong to Jesus and are your acts showing that without you ever saying a word to another person? Because we've got to get to this point where we realize that we cannot appease God by showing up at the church on a Sunday morning and saying, God, man, I've, I've done my service to you for that hour. God is looking for more than just an hour on Sunday. He's looking for your entire life. And I knew that, well, I'm surprised I'm getting this many amens, but I mean, you know, here's the deal, man. I, as a pastor, I don't want to lead a church that's full of hypocrites. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want my lifestyle and my actions to match up. It's one of the reasons why I sign all of my emails, loving God, loving people, and showing it. Man, I want to make sure that my life isn't just a whole bunch of words, but there's actions that follow it. So that people can see my actions and go like, that dude loves God. It's evident by what he's doing in his life. God isn't looking, looking for lip service. He's looking for a lifestyle of service. A couple years ago, I was, when I was living in Bradenton, I worked at a place called Lifestyle Family Fitness, and it was this gym that was in our area, and I would work out with this guy named Dwayne every single morning, and we were, we were on the treadmill one morning, and we were working out, and right behind us was like the aerobics, aerobics area, and so we were, we were running on the treadmill, and we were, we were training for a 5K and getting ready for that, and, and behind us, we kept hearing this aerobics class going on where these people were going in there, and, and this guy, we kept hearing, give me 10 more, give me 
me 20 more, give me 10 more, give me 20 more. And before long paramedics are going in there and like dragging people out. I mean, people are like dying and stuff. And I'm thinking, dang, this dude must be in the best freaking shape of anybody's life. I mean, he has got to be incredible. And I remember as I got down with my 5K on the treadmill, I went and I peeked around the corner to see this dude. Cause I was like, this dude's probably got like a 27 pack of abs. I mean, that's how much he's killing these people. And I mean, these are like little old ladies and stuff. So, I mean, they're ripped too. And, and so I'll turn, I go and I turn the corner and I promise this guy has never done a sit up in his life. Like the most activity he's done is gone to the, you know, the buffet and got like another plate. I mean, that's all he's been doing. But yet he was in there telling people, give me 20 more, give me 30 more, give me 10 more. And you know what? His lifestyle and his actions didn't meet up. That dude was full of crap. And how many of us is our lifestyle meeting up with our actions? How many of us is, is that proving out in our lives? You know, that's why I'm so proud of, of, uh, of the people that go out and serve our community when we do outreaches. I know yesterday, a whole bunch of people went out and did an outreach with our church. And I was, I was so jacked up because I wanted to hear how would people react. And I remember because I remember they, what they were doing was something that most people would never do. They decided that we're going to go clean businesses' toilets. We're going to walk around to local businesses and we're going to clean their toilets and we're going to clean their bathrooms and we're going to do it because Jesus loves them. And at the end, we're going to hand them a card that says, uh, we cleaned up your crap because God cleaned up ours. Just kidding. I didn't, they didn't do that. <laughs> it's a good idea though. Good idea. JP, write that one down. <laughs> but their lifestyle, they're going in there and saying, you know what? We love God and we're going to prove it to you. We're going to do things that nobody else would want to do because we want our lifestyle to reflect Jesus. And Jesus said, man, there are ways that people can live that, that will scream, you are devoted to me. Now, here's what's interesting. The first thing that Jesus talks about after he says those acts of righteousness, the first thing he says is in verse 2, he says, so when you give. He didn't say when you pray. He goes on later on to say that. He didn't say uh, when you sing because any fool can sing. He says when you give. He was unashamed about it, and he said, man, this is what it's about. It's not about your time. It's not about your effort. It's about your finances, because this is what I know about your finances. Your finances follow your heart. And so if your heart's someplace, that's where your money will be also. And this is the thing. Jesus taught more about money than any other subject while he was here on earth, more than heaven and hell. And you would think that those are some pretty important subjects. In fact, the Bible talks more about money than basically anything else, money and possessions. He says, when you give, to the needy. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. You, they have received the reward in full. So when you give, there it is again. So when you give, Jesus right here, he's emphasizing a point. Anytime you see Jesus within like a sentence or two, go back to the same thing. He's trying to say, listen, you need to get this. You need to understand what I'm trying to say here, because I'm trying to make something that's going to be of obscene value to you, noticeable. So here, check it out. Check it out. Listen to what I'm talking about. He didn't say give my time. He didn't say give my effort. He said give of money. He said, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He says, will reward you. I don't know about you, but that's awesome right there. I want God to be a rewarder of my life. And so if I want God to reward my life, you know what Jesus says I have to do? He says, I have to put him first and give. And you know what happens? Jesus takes care of everything else. 
When I give and I put Jesus in the first place in my life, he takes care of everything else. Now, most people, what they want to do is they want to get all their life in order and say, Jesus, everything is taken care of. Then I'm going to trust you with something. And Jesus said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, that isn't how it works. It isn't you uh, get everything in place and then you trust me. It's you trust me and I'll put everything in place. And I'll take care of the situations that you're in. And the reason we're in need of a bailout is because we've been putting ourselves first rather than putting Jesus in his right spot. And I think a a reason a lot of people are not experiencing the reward that that God wants to give them is because they've been trying to get that reward on their own. They've been trying to get all the stuff on their own. They've been trying to get all the accolades on their own. It's one of the reasons why when, as a church, you will never see anybody's name on a seat. You'll never see anybody's name on this is the John Smith Worship Center. You want to know why? Because that's somebody who's trying to get it, make a name for themselves and making their reward here. And Jesus is not about a, your reward being here. It's about, I'm going to give you a reward. Man can't give you a reward. And so many of us, we're trying to get men to give us and women to give us a reward. And God says, that's the only thing I can do. Because the rewards that you're trying to get from those things are always fleeting. They never last. They're never of substance. They're never of value for a long period of time. I can, I'm the only one that can give you that kind of reward that's going to last forever. And I'm so tired of us cheapening the bride of Christ, thinking that, man, we can dress up God's church, his bride, like a whore, and think that he's going to come back and be pleased like that. Man, this is his bride. This is the most beautiful thing. This is what he died for. His plan for the earth was, is, and always will be his church. His plan for people. And what Jesus is saying is, man, we got to get our priorities in order. So I want you to know, and, and I think God wants us to realize that, man, we're, we're, we're supposed to be giving. And I don't have all day, but God teaches over and over and over and over again, all throughout Scripture, to take care of his body, to take care of his church, to take care of his house, because it's the most amazing organization on this planet. Now, I know some of you people are going to say, well, I give to a lot of charitable organizations. That's awesome. Man, we should give to charitable organizations all the time. I think Christians should be the most generous people on the face of the earth. I think we should outgive everybody, every single one of us. There should not be another person that can outgive us as an individual, as a whole, ever. But if you're doing that in substitution of taking care of his bride, you're doing it wrong. And you're wondering why your reward from God is not coming. Because he says right there, my reward comes from when you take care of me. Because listen, when we give, the kingdom of God is changing. Listen, when people give generously, and people gave generously, when we were moving here, the six of us, myself and my wife Shayla and Wayne, Pastor Wayne and his wife Jennifer and their two kids, when we moved here, that all we had was some people saying, you know what, we believe in you, we're going to trust in you. And two years later, with the six of us, it's turned into 270 people. God blesses things that are for him and for his house. It's why we've seen over 250 people give their lives to Christ because we believe that if we invest in the kingdom of God, God will change things. It's why as a church that as you live generously, we're able to go and make sure that every single kid for the last two years in Collier City that doesn't have school supplies has school supplies, not because we, we want to appease the next generation, but because we believe in them. We want to see them do greater things in their life than they could ever see on their own. 
And there's lots of people that you will never see and you will never know that said, you know what? We believe that there needs to be a church in South Florida that does things a little bit different, that doesn't really care what anybody else says. And they're gonna teach the truth and they're gonna do it in a way that's relevant to people who have not yet found God or maybe are searching for him or looking for a place that they can call home. And we're gonna give above and beyond our means and our ability to make sure that that happens. And that's why you're all sitting here today. Because people stood up and said, man, man, we're going to invest generously in the kingdom of God. And I was at Starbucks the other day, and this lady walked up to me and said, man, can I have a minute of your time? I want to tell you a story. And I'm like, man, I've always got a minute for a story. And she goes, let me just tell you something. I got a postcard from your church a couple, a couple of months ago, and I decided to come. And I came, and I was like, this is pretty cool. I like this. And at the time, I didn't really have a relationship with God. But over the next couple of weeks, I decided, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and then I invited my husband. And my husband would never, ever go to, go to a church. But he saw what was happening in me. And so he decided to come. And a few weeks later, as you were doing that man versus wife series, he gave his heart to Jesus. That is what it's all about. And because you give generously, people's lives are being transformed because of that. And God says this in Malachi, he says, bring the whole tithe, the whole 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will have enough room for it. God says, when you put me first, when you tithe, when you give, I will take care of the rest. When you give, when you put me first, man, I'm going to take care of every single need that you have. Let me just tell you, I know some of you guys are saying, you know what, the economy is bad. The economy is not bad. Man, it might be struggling a little bit, but listen, when the economy was good, you didn't put God first in the first place. Coastal, it's time to step out in faith. In the worst of times, we need to put our, more of our trust in Jesus now than ever and say, you know what, God, the way that I've tried to do it hasn't really worked. I'm gonna try your way for once and see what happens in your life. Now, I know some of you guys, you don't have a job right now. It's really hard. If you're making nothing, 10% of nothing is, all you math majors, nothing. Yeah. It's college students, listen, I know 10% of nothing is nothing. Listen, and, and, and we want to help you. You know, after service today, man, I want to pray for everybody that doesn't have a job that's in need. Listen, if you have a job, I don't want you to come up here because you want a different job. I'm talking about people that don't have jobs. <laughs> Because I know people will do that. You guys are shady. I know it. So, <laughs> But listen, man, God wants to provide for you. But you got to start trusting him. You got to start putting him first in your life. Now, I know this is what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, oh, man, the economy has, has hit coastal. TJ is freaking out right now. <laughs> and he needs our money. Listen, we don't need your money. Our rent is paid through the rest of the year. We got money in the bank. Our budget is up 33% from last year. I don't want anything for you, from you. God doesn't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want you to realize that the blessings of God only come when we trust him completely. It doesn't come when we trust him half-heartedly. It doesn't come when we trust him three-quarters of the way. It only comes when we trust him fully with every single aspect of our lives. And Jesus said, put me first, put me first, put me first and see if I won't take care of the rest. Put me first, give, serve, do all those things. Put me first and I'll take care of the rest. Because here's the deal. Some of you guys, man, you've been trying to do it on your own and your 100% or your 110% hasn't made it yet. It hasn't worked. Am I right? 
Why not trust God with that 90 and see what he can do? Because our God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And he is the God of the impossible. And he'll do more with your 90 than you ever could have done with your 100 or 110%. Now I've spent way too much time on this point. You guys need to listen a little bit faster. Okay. Second question. Where's my heart? Where's my heart? Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed a trend here at our church, but I love Starbucks. Um, it is kind of... <laughs> In fact, uh, I, I love, and I love coffee. I'm, I'm a coffee addict. In fact, uh, I drank like four cups this morning, so I cannot think straight right now. It's just like my mind is racing like a thousand miles a minute. But I mean, coffee to me in the morning is like the most important thing that I can get. Like I'd rather have a cup of coffee than go to the bathroom in the morning. I mean, I, I just wake up and like, give me an IV of coffee. I just need it to function. And, and so I have, man, I'm always wanting coffee. And my wife and I, we were at Starbucks a couple of years ago and, and, um, we were on our way to a, a church service one Sunday morning, and, and we stopped by Starbucks, and we, we grabbed some cups of coffee. And, man, I loved, at the time, I was a big venti white mocha drinker. Anybody a venti white mocha? Like a 1,000 calories. I didn't mean to tell you that, but it's like a 1,000 calories. It's awesome. It's like instantaneous five pounds if you're looking to bulk up a little bit. Um, and so, man, I would get one of those, and, and Shayla got like a grande one. And, and right as we were getting to church, I went to lift it out of the car. And as I got out, I was holding it by the top. And my coffee fell to the ground. All I was holding was my lid. <sighs> like intervention started happening. I mean, I was in d deep depression. And I just remember like, you know, you're just, you're just dumbfounded at that moment because you're just holding your lid and the coffee's all over the pavement. And you're like, what? Uh, you're just speechless. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do because I can't function without it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm straight up, I'm, just going to say it right now. I'm an addict. I can't help. <laughs> confession right now. Confession. It's good for me. And I remember my wife looking at me and saying, you know what, sweetheart, you can have mine. See, and that meant so much to me. I mean, I was like... <laughs> I was like, baby, I love you. Can I marry you again? You are amazing, babe. Because she gave me something that was valuable. She loves coffee too, but not like, not like me. I'm just like a crack addict on coffee. I don't know what the deal is. But here's the deal. Don't say you love Jesus if you're not willing to give something of value to him. Because God's BS meter is like really awesome. Matthew 6, 19. Let's give myself a moment here. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Listen, Jesus didn't say you couldn't have nice things. Jesus is all about you having nice things. Man, there's nothing wrong with having nice things. The problem is, is when we have something and we see something that, ha that somebody else has better and we're like, man, they shouldn't have that. We, and we all do that. We've, we start judging them, but we don't see the person that has a crappier car and be like, man, you should have a nicer car. Like, we don't condemn them. And listen, I, I don't think that we are in a, a, we have a bad economy. I think we have a down economy right now. I think that, that if, we, if we were in a bad economy, the two biggest problems in America would not be obesity and consumer debt. Listen, those are our two biggest problems in America, obesity and consumer debt. That is not a bad economy. Because listen, we have more than enough. We just haven't learned how to manage it well. Mm-hmm. 
Now, a lot of amens on the obesity and consumer debt. You know, want to know why? Because when we couldn't afford it, we charged it. And we're like, God, help me now. And we're wondering why he's not just like running to scoop us up and save us from the day. Because we were irresponsible. The reality is, is the average American this year, because of their credit card debt, will pay $1,500 in interest this year. I just did some quick calculations. I don't know about you, but that's going to American Excess and you're now my MasterCard. You know, it's going to all those places. And if we were to just pay off our debt and just give the interest to the church, that would be over a quarter of a million dollars just in our church, let alone every other church in America. That's, that's pretty dang excessive. So how do we invest not our treasure here on earth, but in, but in heaven? I think we invest that by doing the things that matter most to God, the things that God is working in the most, the things that God is using to further his kingdom. So as a, as a church, man, we, we give away 11% of our income every year. And every year it'll go up by a percent because we believe that, man, we are to invest in the kingdom of God. We can't ask you to do something that we don't do ourselves. And so we give to church planning. We give to worldwide missions, man. We give to local churches around here, man. There's great churches that God is using all over our community. And we want to be a part because we are kingdom-minded. We believe that God wants to use those things to further his kingdom. And so we need to be generous. He goes on to say, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure determines heart. Treasure determines heart. Your heart always follows your money. Your heart always follows your money. That's why for some of you guys, man, your heart is so much with that car because every month you write that check for $600 for that car and your heart is right there. And so you're consumed by that car. Some of you guys, you lease your cars. You're just stupid. Hey, I'm going to pay money for two years to somebody and then I'm not going to have anything at the end. That's real smart. I mean, seriously. Makes no sense whatsoever. Sorry, I don't know. I'm just off on a little tangent there. That's why some of you guys, you know, every, every Saturday that your college football team get, loses, you get upset because you invested money in those tickets. You invested money in those, that tailgating spot. And every time they lose, man, you're sink right with those 18 to 22 year old boys. And that's what your life is dictated by because that's where your money is. So let's not lie to God and say, you have my heart when he doesn't have our treasure. Third question, who do I serve? Who do I serve? I love technology. Um, I'm a big proponent of it. And this week, I had the opportunity to sit down uh, with Satan and, and just talk to him a little bit about money. And I, I want you guys just to check out what he had to say. Can you get this side for me? Sweet. Awesome. So what are you doing after this? I mean, around 10. Come on. Come out with me. Oh, whatever. It's lame. Satan. How's it going? Pastor T. Ah, oh, this guy. Always getting me. Always get always you. Always getting me. Yeah. <laughs> Satan. You know, normally we get together and we talk about a lot of different things. I was wondering, can we talk about something different today? Something other than uh, other than sex. Something other than sex. Other other than sex. I know you like sex, but do you think we could we could talk about money? I mean, we can go off the record if that's cool. Mo 
Just as long as it's off the record. We, we, we can talk about money, but just as long as we don't roll on this, like this yeah, guy. Yeah, we, we, we won't roll on it at all. And uh, so, <laughs> okay, talk about money here real quick. I know that you're like the master of money and using it to manipulate people. I mean, how, how do you do that? I mean, here's the deal. Like, it's kind of, actually, do you have your Bible on? You're yeah. a pastor, right? Yeah, you got I, your Bible? I have my cool. Bible on me. Check here you this. go. Give me this. It's kind of kind of weird. Yeah, it, it is a little weird. Uh, I mean, check it out. Right, right here in Matthew. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And money. It doesn't say you can't serve God and me, or God and sex, which we all know is absolutely amazing. It says we can't serve God and money. Money is all 100%. It's all in or nothing. And we really change their heart. We go after their heart with it. It's awesome. So, so Satan, how are you using money to mess people up? I mean, how does that work? It's, it's pretty, pretty easy. It's all over the media. I mean, you see these thugs running in their Tims or whatever, or rims all <laughs> over the place, or dunks. Or, you know, even, even with the new video games or new everything, everyone has to have the new thing. But close. Every, every six months... Every time the seasons change, they think their clothes go out of style. They always have to go out and get new ones. But, but look at this, for real. This is fresh to death. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Literally. Let's, let's talk about something else. What do you think about credit cards? Credit cards are awesome. I love credit cards. Do you have a credit card? Yeah. I, of course I own a credit card. I own like seven. <laughs> do, you, do you pay your credit card off every month? I pay all my credit cards off with other credit cards. Really? Yeah. It's like 0% interest for like six months. It's an awesome deal. Great deal. Huh. What, what other ways do you use to, to mess people up? I mean, check this out. The way you really get them, the way you really get them to squirm is the stock market. You drop that bad boy by like 500 points, 400 points. That's how you really get them. Did you do that? No, of course, of course not. I mean, you saw what happened. It wasn't, no, it wasn't me. But, <laughs> but he, here's the deal. I mean, let, let's be real for a minute. You know, I guess, I guess I could say I'm kind of an addict. I love getting people hooked on money. I love people to get get people serving money. You know, whether they're, they're cheating on their expense reports or cheating on their taxes, which, which I personally do not do, I love TurboTax. I mean, that's the way to go. Can I use this thing again? Cool, awesome. Here we go. I love this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I love this. I mean, I don't love all this, but I love that. I mean, that's me. That's all me. Like, think about it. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, so what do you say? Like, what do you say about me? You always say something. What, what is it? What's that line? All the time, Satan is bad. And all the time, Satan is bad. Yeah. I mean, I think we got that's, kind of, that's a wrap. You, what do you mean? You got what? A wrap? Are you, are you kidding me? What? What does it say? What happened to integrity? What are you doing? Especially you, man. You guys are going to hear from my friends. I mean, all my friends in the world, all the lawyers. I'm, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to follow that. So, uh, Matthew 6, 22 and 23, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus said the key to winning this battle with our finances has to do with our eyes, man. And what do our eyes tell us? I always need more. I want that. I want to have it. I got to have it. And here's the thing. It's not bad to have nice things. It's bad when nice things have us. When they own our lives, that's what gets us in real trouble. There's a lot of us here today that are in debt up to our eyeballs because we've been seeing things that we want and I've got to have that and I've got to have this new outfit and before long, it's a noose around our neck that's completely choking us out. And I'll just say, I mean, I know that some people think, man, we're doing this because we want your money. We're not interested in your money at all. In fact, if, if you don't believe us, test it in this and go give it to another church. I'll, I'll tell you some churches. You can give it to Calvary Chapel, great church. You have a church by the Glaze. They're doing amazing things. Give it to Potential Church, doing awesome stuff. The Harbor Church, man, doing some cool stuff. The Journey Church in Boca is doing some great stuff. Man, there's all kinds of churches that are doing great things that you can invest your money in that, that God is going to see and is going to say, man, that's, that's somewhere I can reward because they're trusting me. Like, I don't care about your money. And I know God doesn't care about your money. I want something for you. I want you to realize the blessings of God that only come from when we trust him fully and completely. And that means every aspect of our lives. And it doesn't just mean for heaven and hell. It means for everything. 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 And we want to see you break the bondage of yourself and self-reliance. And we want to see you break the bondage of your bling so that you can experience the freedom that only comes from having right standing and right relationship with God. That means I'm completely and fully devoted to him with every single aspect of our lives. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Didn't say you can't serve God and the devil, which is definitely what I would have said if it was me writing the verse, but he said you can't serve both God and money. The reason he said that is because Jesus knew that the primary competitor for your heart and for mine was going to be stuff. He knew that that would be the thing that would draw us away from him. That would take our eyes off of him because we'd say, I want that or I need that. Got to have it. Because what the world has sold to us and what Satan has sold to us is that our significance and our worth and found our, in what we have. But how many of you guys know that car is gonna is gonna wear out? It's gonna break down. Those clothes, they're gonna wear out. They're good for a moment, but it's fleeting. It does not last. God said the only significance, the only value that you're ever gonna find that does not go away is in me. That's why he said you can't serve both. You gotta choose one or the other. And so my question for all of us here today is what do you need to do today to put God first in your finances? 
Maybe some of you guys do tithe, but man, you just spend, spend frivolously. You don't have a budget. You're not stewarding the resources that God has given you. You need to get some of that stuff in order. Maybe some of you guys have never trusted God financially, and today's the day that you need to do that. Maybe some of you guys are living way beyond your means and it's time for you to to pull the reins back and and maybe it's time to get a second job or do something extra to, to get yourself out of the hole that you've dug yourself into. I don't know what it is for you, but it's time for us to make some wise choices. And here's the deal. As a church, we want to help. On October 24th, For those of you that need this, we believe that it's important to get counseling in this stuff. It's important to have some other people look into what's happening in our lives and help us develop a plan and develop a a way out of maybe some of the bondages we found ourselves into. And so we're going to have a financial seminar at our church offices by by some guys that have done some financial counseling and they want to help people get free of their bondage of debt. Man, we want to see you free. Because this is what I know, man. If we trust God with everything that we have and we're not in debt, nothing is impossible for us as individuals. Whatever dream, whatever thing God has put in your heart, you can accomplish. But when there's things that are holding you back, they will always keep you from fulfilling what God wants to do in your life. And so throughout the next couple of weeks, man, we're going to teach you principles of how can you apply some basic things so that you can see yourself get out of the situation that you're in. So you don't need a bailout from the government. You don't need a bailout from a friend, but you get your bailout from the one and the only one who can truly bail you out, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. And... uh I know that a lot of times we come here and we think that, man, God wants something from me. Listen, if God wanted our money, he would just take it. God doesn't want anything from us. He just, he doesn't want our stuff. He wants our heart. It's all that he's after. It's all that he wants. It's all that he desires. God, I just pray today that we would just relinquish our control. that we would break the bondage of bling in our lives by saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Not partially, not some of the way, but all the way.